Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Love Crimepedia and want to help support the show? You can do so by buying us a coffee through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's edition of Crimepedia. I am your host, Cherry, and with me is the man with the most. It is Morgan. Hello, Cherry. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy. What a week this has been. It's been, it's been a week. It's been a crazy week. It's been, week. A, been a crazy week. It's been a crazy week like, this week. It's like every week is getting crazy for us. Well, 2021 has started off really well for us. We've had an arrest. We've put it onto our socials this week, an arrest in the Stuart Lubbock murder case, which we covered. Uh, So that's very, very exciting. Obviously, we talked about the Breckenridge murder arrest as well. Mm -hmm. So two cases that that have got arrests. Those are both our January cases. I know. We've had four episodes in January. Yeah. Three of them were Breckenridge, and then we had Stuart Lubbock, and there have been arrests in both. In both. So it's really good news. We're keeping up to date with what's going on in the Stuart Lubbock case. It's huge news at the moment in the UK. And mm-hmm. we, we, if you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to our episode on the death of Stuart Lubbock, and that'll explain exactly what we're talking about. And we'll keep you updated with anything that happens in the case as soon as we can. Now, has the, the person who's been arrested, have they officially officially been named yet? No. It's not been officially named. Although we know, we can't say who it is. We know. It is someone we talked about. It is. We can say that, That's right? all we can I think say, so. yeah. That's all we can say, yeah. Yeah. So is one of our the people that we know is at someone at the party. It's someone that we talked about. And that's all we can say. That's all we can say. You can figure yeah. it out. And we'll keep you updated uh, from Man. there, so okay. So with that, that means that we we next should be getting a some sort of resolution in the vanishing triangle. So yes. Ireland, you're yes. on notice. Come on, Ireland. Garda, yeah. Come on, Garda. Give us some Let's information. Let's do something. Yeah. And then 
Grime Sisters after that. So that would be that's so how good. things are going. But the thing that you can take from this is the thing that I take from this is it doesn't matter how old a case is. We're talking yeah. Breckenridge, 40-year murder, Stewart's over 20 years. So these are cases not from a few months ago, not from a few years ago. We're talking decades old cases. Yep. And with mm-hmm. the new DNA and the new procedures that we've got now in modern policing, things are starting to happen with cold cases. And so the thing for us is that a cold case is never really cold. It can't ever really be cold. There's always going to be something. I was talking to someone about these cases and they were Mm -hmm. just asking, like, like, why do you think these cases like are are getting solved now? And I said, well, because these cases are catching up to the future. Right. So it's so these cases, when they occurred, we have technology and things that we can do that no one could imagine. No, that's right. I mean, back in the Breckenridge murders, like there was nothing. You couldn't you couldn't get an, a a DNA a profile from the amount of blood that they had at the time. And yeah. now, you know, it takes a tiny little bit of, bit of blood and you can get so much information from just a tiny little bit of blood. It's advanced so much in the last 40 years. It's yeah. just, you know, it's amazing. So I'm hoping that a good thing to come out of this year is that, you know, because we've had such a crap year, haven't we? And the good thing to come out of it could be that more cases like this are going to be solved. It feels really good. And if you're interested would- in stuff like that, then obviously we're going to be at CrimeCon in September. And there's so much stuff. There's You can look at like crime scenes. There's crime scenes set up for you to go and have a look at. There's so many people that are talking, so many experts that you can watch um, that talk about specific things in their fields. Yeah. And you can talk to us about your favorite crimes and our favorite crimes. We would love to do that with you. Definitely. You can come and see us. We'll be there at CrimeCon. We'll be on Podcast Row. You can come and meet us. There's people like the amazing Colin Sutton. He's going to be there. We've got mm-hmm. Denise Welsh, the actress and TV presenter. She's going to be there. Uh, Crime CrimeCon this year is in, it's in conjunction with Crime and Investigation. So that's probably a brand that you already know um and they have got so many different things they've got so many special guests coming it's amazing i can't wait i'm so excited if it's anything like the like crime con here in the united states you're gonna love it it's so much fun yeah there there are so many people to talk to and meet and just even even outside of the your 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 you know sessions or whatever you know or listening mm. to speakers and stuff it's just people just picking each other's brains and like, you know, talking about different crimes and mm. and getting different opinions. Oh, so it's absolutely it's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be brilliant. There's loads of people I'm really looking forward to meeting. And of course, you, you're going to be there. So exciting. I know I am. And well, yeah, good news because I'm getting my first vaccination shot this week. So I should yes. be vaccinated and good to go. Yeah. And hopefully I would have had mine by September. <laughs> so yeah fingers crossed it's gonna be good i'm really looking forward to crime con this year and we got our merch as well so you can get yourself a crime con t-shirt before you go as well Um, crimepedia t-shirt before you go and you can wear it to crime con and show us that's exciting yeah and you can you can still use our discount we have a 10 percent discount for our crimepedia listeners if you use our promo code crimepedia at checkout you'll get 10 percent off your ticket price. But that's not it, Cherry. What else are you going to get? You're also going to get a present from us in person when you come and see us and tell us that you've used our promo code. You will get a present from us, which is very nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, 
Who else is offering that cherry? Oh, no, no. one. No one. And also with our um with our Crimepedia code, um, if you're worried that the Crimepedia because of COVID and everything's happening, if you're quite worried that it might not go ahead, don't worry because it is COVID safe. So if there's a problem and we're unable to go ahead in September, CrimeCon UK will defer your ticket or they'll give you a refund. So there's no there's no need to worry that you lose your money. It's it's all sorted. They've got it all in hand. Which is really, really good. And you did mention our merch. And if you are interested in checking our merch and purchasing something, uh, you can do so by visiting our website, which is crimepediapodcast.com. And you just want to click on our little little link to our merch store. And I'll take you to our merch store. And you can see all of our T-shirts. We have T-shirts. We have stickers. I think we have a, we have a coffee mug in there right now. And we're going to be adding new things. I'm sure there's something on there that you'll love to get for yourself. Our most popular at the moment seems to be the unicorn shirt, doesn't it? The unicorn. I love the unicorn one. It is a cool shirt. It's a really cool shirt. I think that's probably the most popular at the moment. We've had some brilliant (laughs) listener photos. The cutest listener photos. Oh, my goodness. Winnie? Oh, Winnie. remember that one? She is stunning. Isn't she gorgeous? Adorable. Yeah. When her mum sent the picture through, I was just like, oh, my God. She is gorgeous. Actually, her picture is on my Instagram. If you go onto my Instagram highlights, if you follow me on Instagram, click on my highlights and you'll see a picture of Winnie in our unicorn shirt. I did ask her mum if it's okay for me to use it and she said yes. So there is a picture of Winnie. She's so cute. And she's a redhead. So she was straight on my highlights. (laughs) (laughs) Big up the redhead massive. I love it. Bless her. She's so cute. I am working on another map t-shirt, so hopefully I'll have that out soon. So we have one map t-shirt on there, and I'm working on another popular. silly map t-shirt. It has. It really yeah, I mean, has. People I love the map. I need nice. to I need to think of something that I can have on my t-shirt. I don't know. Look, think of something. Cherry, having fun isn't hard when you've got a map. <laughs> oh my god, I don't believe you just said that. You're like boots <laughs> from Dora. <laughs> <laughs> Dora and Boots. That's you and me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, I can't believe you is, just said that. Having fun isn't hard when you that's a, that's a t shirt. That's a slogan t shirt. It is absolutely. Know it. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are absolutely. so sad. Right. Let's get on to this week's case before we cheese it up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. the body of a 33-year-old former soldier was found on a farm track close to his home in Fife in Scotland. There were no marks on the body, but he had been murdered with the jiu-jitsu stranglehold. Who killed Sandy Drummond and why? This is Crimepedia and you're listening to the case of Sandy Drummond.
So, Morgan, Sandy Drummond was a 33-year-old former soldier in the Blackwatch Regiment who lived in this tiny, oh, it's a beautiful place, in a place called Boar Hills in Fife in Scotland. And he lived in this, like, gorgeous little picturesque cottage, you know, like one of those chocolate box cottages, really cute little... Do you have cottages over there? Not really. Uh, well, no, we do, but I don't... I'm. I don't know if it's the same as what you would call a cottage, but yeah, we have yeah, cottages. Okay. So it's this tiny little like hamlet in Scotland. Um, it's a very close knit community. Everybody knows everybody because it's so tiny. So everybody knows everybody there. And the hamlet is close to the King's Barns on the east of Fife in Scotland. It's located, if you are looking on the map, just off the A917 road, which is four and a half miles from St. Andrews. Now, he worked oh, as a laborer. That's uh, St. Andrews. That's uh, British Open, St. Andrews, right? Where they do golf. I guess. I don't know golf. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know yeah. golf. I guess St. Andrews is golf. It's one of the most famous golf cor- courses in the world. Okay, go ahead. I can't watch golf. Come on. Anyway, he worked as a laborer in a local paper mill where he had worked for the past seven years. He was... He lived very close to his mum and dad, and he was a devoted son to his his parents. His mum was called Effie. I love that name. She's called Effie. And his father uh, was a man who suffered with dementia. Unfortunately, he was he was suffering with dementia at the time. He lived in a cottage with his brother James. So they lived together. He was quite. I've read quite a lot of places that he was a recluse. But just because I I don't understand this whole recluse business, just because he was quiet and didn't sort of spread his business around everywhere, I don't think that means yeah. that you were a recluse. But the police yeah. had said that during the investigation they couldn't find a friend of his, so he couldn't find that he actually had any friends as such, which is is quite sad. But maybe like being on his own. I- yeah, I think there's like a negative connotation to that word sometimes, right? Yeah. Because when you think of uh, when you think of uh, uh, someone that's reclusive, you kind of have this imagine that there's like some mental health issues involved with it. Yeah, it's not necessarily you know, they, the case. No, not at all. Yeah. So I think I know exactly what you mean, and it kind of I think it describes him. It makes you think that he's a bit weird, but the fact is he just yeah. didn't. He was just liked to be solitary. He lived an ordinary life. Nothing really remarkable in his life. He liked to ride his motorbike. He liked to go for runs in the countryside. He was described by his friends and co- family, I should say, and co-workers as a quiet person who was quite steady, quite dependable, conscientious. So his co-workers sort of said he was just an ordinary guy, just not really all about his business everywhere. Now, his mum says that there was a sudden change in his behaviour, roughly about a month to six weeks or so, leaving, leading up to his death on the 24th of June, 1991. He was found dead on the 24th of June, like I said, on a farm track just outside his cottage. Now, his death shocked the community because it's such a small place. And like I said to you, everybody knows everyone. So it was very strange that he was found dead on his on this farm track and his mum spent the rest of her life literally campaigning and trying to find out what happened to her son. So let me explain to you kind of what happened. The last time that Effie saw her son was the night before he died. He went to visit her and his dad and was due to return the next night to have dinner with them. Okay. He had no known enemies. So there's nothing that you could sort of pinpoint somebody that he didn't get on with or that there was a bit of a thing between them. The police said that they couldn't find anything that suggested his life was in danger. There was nothing to suggest anything was going on. But his mum said that leading up to 
his death. He was out of character, like I said. She was pretty much baffled by this because he was quite a carefree man. He didn't really have very many problems or worries or anything that he sort of told people about. But she said he started to be distracted and he seemed to be more quiet than usual and not, you know, that sometimes outside of the house, you are a bit more quiet than, than perhaps when you're with your family, you can kind of be yeah. a bit crazy and you can, because they're your family, you know, they love you no matter what. So you kind of yeah. find that when people are with their family, they're a bit more crazy than, or outgoing than if they're in front of strangers. She said that she put this down to him being bullied or blackmailed at work. Which I thought, wow, okay, where's that where come that from? Go- exactly, I was going to say that. Where's that? Where's that come from? Is that just? An yeah. ass- sounds like it's just an assumption so far. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. So she kind of said that he had been acting a bit out of sorts. He hadn't really been hadn't really been himself. Now, this is a strange thing. On the twentieth of June, he quit his job at the paper mill that he worked in, refusing okay. to work his notice, and he just left, just like that. Just, just, just left. He hadn't told his family. Didn't tell his brother who he lived with. Nothing. He hadn't mentioned to anybody that he was thinking of quitting. That he had quit. Just, he just did it and left. Now, on the day of his death, which is the twenty fourth of June, he left home at about twenty five past seven that morning, and he was seen yeah. running across the road. And then a witness to the inquiry said that Sandy was seen running across a nearby field holding a blue holder like a sports bag. Now, this sports bag's never been recovered. Nobody knows what was in the sports bag. Nobody knows where he went. And nobody knows what he did with it. Hmm. So that's that's very strange. Now, at 11 a.m. that same morning, he was captured on CCTV at a building society, withdrawing all of his savings and all of the money that he had and putting it into a holdall. Okay. And how much was that? Do you have that? It was eight hundred and fifty pound around that sort of money. Okay, so he so cleared that's, that's his account out. It's a significant amount in nineteen ninety one. I mean, yeah. So remember, okay, it was stuffed into a holdall. Now another witness describes seeing a man with a blood stained bandaged hand, and now in some reports I read that this was a blood stained handkerchief, and in other reports okay. I've read it's a blood stained hand. And he was seen catching a bus near to Sandy's cottage at 2.30 p.m. on the day of the murder. He got off at St. Andrews. And the Courier newspaper recorded that he got onto the bus while Sandy was still alive, obviously, because it was 2.30. And there was no blood at the crime scene. So I'm thinking, okay, well, this isn't really related. So let me talk to you about the crime scene itself. It was 8 p.m. in the evening and Sandy's body was found by an elderly walker on the farm track about 200 yards from his house. He was lying face down on the grass. He had his arms underneath him and his legs were straight out. So kind of like he had fallen forward with his arms underneath him. The weird thing is police believe that at first he had committed suicide. I don't know why they thought this. There were no physical marks on his body whatsoever. So he had nothing, no injuries, no puncture wounds. There's no blood at the scene. He's literally just found face down on the grass with his arms tucked underneath him. Um, yeah. So they thought that perhaps he might have died holding his stomach or his chest. like in a, So maybe he had like a heart attack and fell forward or was holding okay. his stomach and fell forward. Yeah. 
and that's how you know that's how they found him. But that wouldn't prob- that wouldn't but that wouldn't there's if you're holding your chest or stomach, where would they get committed suicide from that? I don't know. Well, I don't know. That's exactly what exactly what I thought when I read it, and I was like, okay, well, that doesn't really make sense. How do you commit suicide like in the track? Why would yeah. you do that? There's nothing to suspect suicide straight away. Well, real quick, when they say farm track, what are they, what are they actually meaning? What, what so they it's mean? kind of like a little, it would be like a little track that runs up the side of like the cottage. So it'd be a small track. I don't think it's big enough. It might be big enough to get like a small vehicle up there, but just well, like, like a, a path, dirt track, like a... like a dirt track. Okay. Like a little, okay. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount+. Yeah, so just like a little dirt track that maybe would lead up to a field or would lead up to some, you know, farmhouses or something like that. So just a small little track, not not one that would be generally used by the public unless you were going to a farm or something like that. And this was close to his cottage. Literally correct? 200 yards from his cottage. Huh, okay. So really close. Okay. Now, when the police got to the scene, obviously they're treating it as a suicide or suspected just quick death. They're not looking at a murder murder scene straight away. They don't think that's what it is. But the pathologist concluded that he had actually been murdered and he believed that he oh. had been strangled and it was an injury consistent with the jujitsu stranglehold. What? Wait, I kn- what? I know, I know. And I was like, well, okay. And I, I'm guessing that this pathologist then is an expert in jujitsu because it's well, very strange. You have to be. Yeah. Well, he said the stranglehold is where key arteries and the jugular veins are constricted and they cut off the blood flow to the brain, obviously then causing death. But it's a very painful, yeah. slow death. And it's described to be worse than torture. But he said the death seems to be, and his, it's a quote, the perfect execution of a Japanese stranglehold. So I went and had a look at these hmm. Japanese strangleholds, so also known as yeah. a chokehold. Now, there's different types. I'm not even going to try and say it in Japanese. So it's like a general term for grappling. So it's like a grappling hold. And the lack of blood or the lack of air often leads to unconsciousness, but can further lead to death if the hold is maintained. Now, the chokeholds are used in martial arts, combat sports, self-defense, law enforcement, and military hand-to-hand combat. And remember, he was in the military. So I straight away was like, whoa, okay, he was in the military. So this is strange. Now, they are considered to be brute force. This has got to be somebody who's got some strength behind them. And 
it sort of varies. There's different ones that you can use. So there's an air choke, which is also known as a tracheal uh, choke. And this one compresses the upper airway. So the trachea, the larynx, and this stops the breathing, which leads to obviously asphyxia. Now, this says that it's it's less effective as inducing unconsciousness. So this one doesn't render you unconscious as quick, but it does cause excruciating pain and the person will be like really gasping for breath. So it will be an air, yeah. like they, they, they call it air hunger. So there's also the blood choke, which is like a car- carotid like restraint. So this is a form of strangulation that compresses one or both of the carotid arteries and the jugular veins. So yeah. basically this doesn't compress the airway exactly, but it causes like, I can't even say it, a cerebral ischemia. And this basically causes the brain to bleed. And it's a blood choke that leads to unconsciousness in about 10 to 20 seconds. So Mm -hmm. done correctly, this person can be unconscious within 20 seconds. Really quick. And it says that the injury or death is plausible if those arteries remain constricted for more than 20 seconds. So... That's very fast. If somebody knows how to do something like that, that could be done yeah. with obviously within a minute. Really quick. I was really surprised by that. See, I'm still trying to figure out how the pathologist was able to determine that, as he would say, a jujitsu hold. It was done yeah. a jujitsu or a what do you say? A perfect execution of a Japanese yeah. stranglehold. That's what he said. The how, perfect how would you execution know that? Of a Japanese strangle. I don't know. And this is one of the questions that I've got about this case. Like, how did he know that? He's insistent. Mm-hmm. He was very insistent that that's what, what it was. I mean, obviously, there's got to be some internal problems to show that that's its compression of, you know. Yeah. But there were no marks on his neck. No marks. But I have a problem with it because when you hear something like, you know, it's a jiu-jitsu hold or mm-hmm. choke or it was a Japanese stranglehold, I mm-hmm. that kind of puts an image in your head that it was like some sort of like I don't want to say like James Bond type you know villain no yeah you know killing but, but you know what I mean it's like yeah there's something that may, there's something uh, exotic about it so you imagine like a hitman or you mm. imagine you know something along those lines or as you said you imagine someone that has military training yeah doing this right so I think it almost like it it kind of you become narrow focused a little bit when you hear, oh, it was a jujitsu hold, because then you go, okay, well, who would know jujitsu, especially in this area? Mm. It's what like, if it, it just happened to be, what if it just happens to be a strangulate, just a new guy just choking him out, you know, mm. and it's not this jujitsu master or whatever, then it, then it's a whole nother story. Exactly. And I think it does make you think when you think about that, it's somebody, it seems like it's somebody who knows what they're doing rather than somebody who just grabs hold of him and strangles him and he just goes quickly. Mm-hmm. Because right now, with the story that we've heard so far, you think extortion. He's yeah. being extorted for something. Yeah. And this person's extorting them for his life savings. And instead of, you know, just taking the money and running he mm. got rid of them that's what it sounds mm. like that's what it sounds but like. i don't but uh, but i'm sure you're gonna tell us more and um, maybe at the end of this i'm not gonna think that but as of now especially with this whole japanese stranglehold i'm just thinking okay well this is extortion 
Well, despite what the pathologist said, the police initially refused to declare the case as a murder. <laughs> I know. What? How? Why? So they refused. They said that it, they believed it to be a suspicious death, but didn't believe it to be a murder. And it was months before they actually came out and said, okay, you know, it's going to be treated as a murder. Because they just didn't feel that the evidence was there to have it as a murder. What are we missing? What's what's missing? I mean, yeah, you don't just strangle yourself sort of, on the ground, do you? No, you don't. No, and if they think, say, it's okay, it's suicide, and it's it's because of, of strangulation. Well, he's not going to strangle strangle himself. It's impossible for for yeah. a person to strangle themselves to the point of unconsciousness or to the point of death. Especially when there's nothing around the body as a strangulation method. There's nothing. There's no rope there. If he was strangling himself, then surely there would be something around his body to suggest that he had been doing it. And also the fact that there's nothing on his on his neck. There's no bruising. There's no no redness. No nothing. There's no signs of a strangulation whatsoever. Wait, so then how do we know that there was a strangle hold put on him? It's from, it's literally from the pathologist. It's the pathologist's findings uh, when he did the autopsy. Okay. I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, this pathologist, it, no, it's, it, this is bad. This is bad pathology. If you can't, I if would, there, if it, it's, I can't, I can't, I can't go. <laughs> I, I would can't. like to, I would like to take this pathologist report and I would like to give it to another pathologist and ask them to look at it to see whether they would come to the same the same conclusions as this pathologist. This could be that this pathologist knows jujitsu or knows something like that that then looks at it and goes, well, that's definitely what it is. It's a jujitsu hold. I've seen this before. I don't know. Or it's some pathologist that has like some some grand idea of what happened. If there if there's no marking on the neck to sh- no bruising, no redness, no, nothing, nothing to even indicate that that he was being strangled. Then how can you? I don't. That's the thing. I mean, that might be know. something within this kind of hold is that you can strangle somebody without leaving any. You know, I mean, twenty seconds. That's not. That's not very long. Would that induce no, bruising? Not. I'm not sure. So it could be that mm. he's just he's just come to that conclusion. The fact that he has been strangled. But obviously, there's nothing to say exactly how, and he's just come to that conclusion that it's a jujitsu Japanese hold. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's what he came with. Now, on the day of his murder, um, we also have a witness saying that around 4 p.m., a man who fitted Sandy's description was seen jogging along the road. Now, 45 minutes later, a rusty orange car was seen parked outside Sandy's cottage. This car has been identified as an orange Morris Marina. It's been reportedly parked outside Sandy's house on multiple occasions leading up to Sandy's death. But the owner of this vehicle, the driver of this vehicle has never been traced. I can't read anything anywhere to say anything about a number plate or a license plate on the car to say that the owner has been traced. Nothing. So a witness also remembers seeing Sandy at Boar Hill at around 7pm that evening. Now, his body was found at 8pm by an elderly walker. So our last known sighting of him is 7pm, if that is him. So between 7 and 8pm, 
he's found or he's found at 8 p.m. So between 7 and 8 p.m., I don't know where he's been or what he's been doing. Now, Sandy's family were completely baffled because they don't understand how this could make sense at all. They just don't, they don't understand. They they said he had no enemies. He wasn't known to the police for anything. He's got no background for anything dodgy. All the money he took out of the bank was found in his home. So it wasn't a, mo- a, a robbery. The money was all there in the home. Now, this is what confuses me slightly because this hold all that he was seen putting all the money into at the bank, they haven't said whether the money was found in the hold or at his home. They just said that the money was found at his home. So I don't know. I don't know whether people have got their timings mixed up because the witness says that she saw Sandy running across the road and the field at 7.25 in the morning with a blue hold all. But then later at 11 o'clock, he was seen at the bank taking the money out and putting it into a holder. They haven't said, and I couldn't see from the CCTV that I watched, whether the holder was blue. But it just seems strange that he's running across with a holder at 7.25 in the morning and then he's putting money into a holder. And then this this holder has never been found. So the police have said that they haven't they haven't come across this blue holder anywhere, which suggests to me that obviously it wasn't in the house with the money in it. If that was the same holder that he put the money into at the bank. Now, do we know if there were any other withdrawals prior to the to the day of his death? Not, or not do we just a, not know as about big as one? that. Not as big, not as that. He just literally cleared his accounts. He just cleared everything out. Just got rid of all his money, taken it out, which is obviously weird. So, what was he planning to do? Yeah. So Effie, his mum, campaigned literally viciously on her son's behalf. She is reported to have said her life was agony. She, her son James, who's sometimes known as Jimmy, he had spoken to a newspaper saying that basically his brother's death had taken over his mum's life and that she just would not stop up until the day she died because unfortunately in 1996 she passed away uh, without ever finding out what happened to him and she campaigned up to the day she died to find out what happened to her son but she did manage to secure a fatal accident inquiry into his death because the police had literally just ruled it as a suspicious death And she had been very critical of the police's procedures and had regularly contacted the chief constable of police, her local MPs. She even wrote to the prime minister at the time, who was John Major, I believe, at the time of his death. She even wrote to him pleading to please open up this case again. Please treat it as a murder case. Unfortunately, they didn't but she did manage to secure this fatal accident inquiry. Now, this took place in 1992. The problem was it didn't actually give any explanations as to why he died. And the probe into his death only threw up more questions than it did answer things. And during this, the pathologist strongly criticised the police for not seeing the signs that Sandy was murdered. And they because they didn't see him as being a murder victim, they didn't treat the scene as a crime scene. They just treated it as a, you know, as a body found near to their near oh, to his home. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now this is going to make you laugh. The police then came back with a statement stating that because the body was found outside, it was very hard to contain the scene as it wasn't a controlled environment. 
Oh, no. I know. I'm literally shaking my head. Yeah. And, and about it's not a controlled environment. You're on a, what do they call it? A, a, a farm track? Farm track. Yeah. Yeah, a small little path. You can't control that? Obviously not. And not only that, because he was a recluse, there weren't many leads to go on. So it's not their fault. Oh, my God. I know. Not our fault. Not our yep. fault. Sorry. He didn't have any friends. There's no leads. So it's not our fault we didn't see it was a murder. That is unbelievable. I know. So obviously the police, you know, they'd stuck up for themselves in this and just said, well, look, you know, we've done everything we can. There's not a lot of leads to go on. It was a very, it's a hard environment to control. Um, We did what we could, but we didn't see, because there were no marks on his body, there was no reason to believe that it was a murder. They just believed it was just a suspicious death. Now, an article in the Mirror reported also from this inquiry that in the months before his death, Sandy's life was made hell by the men he worked with. I don't know their source for this. But apparently, the night before he died, he had written down the names of the men that had been, I guess, bullying him at work. Oh. So we know that he changed jobs. Yeah, we know that he changed jobs. And we know that about a month before he died, he had changed apartments within the paper mill factory. And so the night before he died, which I think is strange, it was the night before he died, he wrote down the names of these men. Now, DCI Douglas Potter, who was on the case, believed that someone had been bullying or blackmailing him, but they've never revealed why they think that, what exactly they could be blackmailing him about. But him withdrawing a lot of money tends to make you think there was a reason he was withdrawing that money. There's a reason he wrote down those men's names the night before he died. So was he thinking that something was going to happen the next day? Was he expecting to encounter somebody or to be giving money to somebody the next day? Mm-hmm. You know, could it be that that's why? Now, as a result of the inquiry, they had another six officers look into the case again. But this was unsuccessful again and in 2003 a tv documentary series was created and this was to highlight some of the most like prominent cases in scotland and his was one of the cases had an entire episode devoted to it i've tried to find this online and it was hard to find it's a scottish tv one and i I couldn't find it um some leads were generated for airing from the airing of the case so they did have something come from this but Nothing concrete. And so again, the case kind of went cold again. Mm. Now, 10 years later, because of forensics had obviously evolved, like we talked before, the police in Scotland began a full review of the case. They had a look at the evidence again. They had a look at the facts again. They tried to have a look with more advanced forensics. So perhaps trying to establish some DNA from skin that they found or blood samples that were taken. But you know they're 20 they were 20 years old at this point and an investigative reporter a guy called um where i've got his name here it's just gone oh yeah a guy called michael morford said mm-hmm. that he had unearthed a fa- an unearthed a fact in this inquiry that police has identified a suspect in a cold case review but <laughs> there's another but oh. he was dead oh no so they couldn't really do very much with that because the main suspect that they had had already passed away. Also, oh. he found out that the only reason that they would keep the case open would be that they believed that the man had an accomplice or 
accomplices. So that's the only reason they would keep this case open and not completely close it down. So strange. So he also said that in his research, the forensics seemed to indicate that he was killed by somebody doing some sort of jujitsu stranglehold on him. And it was his injuries were consistent with some kind of martial arts move. They don't use their hands within this move, which means that forensic evidence like handprints, fingerprints, dirt or blood under the nails pretty much wouldn't be there. And there's a video online. You can actually go and have a look at this stranglehold. And they've kind of got like, you know, like when you bend your arm at the elbow, they've got a person's yeah. head kind of under the, the the bend in your elbow is underneath the person's neck. And then they've yeah, got the other okay. hand on the back. So it's kind of like a, a squeezing sort of motion towards your body with a person's head in that hold. And they can't, it's like a it's like a squeeze within your elbow kind of. Like you pull it in tight to your body and the person's head would then like choke. But I mean. Wait a second. Wait a second. Think about this. Mm. If you were to do that and you're behind mm. a person, you're choking yeah. them like that. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Which way would the body end up on the ground? Well, I, on their back. I, I did look at this, but would they? Because if they just fell to their knees underneath, you could just push them forward. You'd just let go and they would fall forward. Uh, I guess, yeah, I suppose so. And obviously because yeah. the arms would have been limp already, because they would have been, I mean, a chokehold, if this, if this is the case and the ones that we read was the actual stroke, um, chokehold used, the body would go limp yeah. quickly. And so f- then you'd let go and the body would fall forward and fall and they straight forward their with hands- their hands. No. So their hands would be Where underneath Where the hands would be, be yeah. Yeah near probably near the stomach area or something like that they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't be up like no. you're trying to stop yourself from falling that's right their body would, so that would fall forward so if okay so that would indicate to me if if he, he fell forward mm. and had not been moved mm. prior to being found that he was either unconscious or dead before he hit the ground yes okay that's what i concluded from that i also thought that this could be that somebody it would not necessarily be a fight. It could be that somebody snuck up on him from behind. So if he was walking back up the track towards his house and somebody came up behind him and grabbed him around the neck, you'd have to get up quite high. So depending on how tall this person is, if you were to go up behind somebody, say of even of your own height, you're going to have to get your arm round the front of that person 
they're facing forward and so are you, you're going to have to get your arm round them and pull them back tight. So, I mean, yeah. surely he's going to struggle a bit. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. your hands would go straight up to your neck. It's just an, it's an instant reaction, isn't it? If somebody grabs hold of you from behind, your hands instantly go up because it's like, oh, God, what was that? But wouldn't there be then, then at that point skin cells from the attacker under his fingernails, possibly? Because you would imagine... Or fibers. Be, yeah, something. Because you'd be grabbing yeah. and you're probably trying to rip it, you know, pull it off. Yeah. There would have to be, there'd have to be something under the fingernails, you would think. You would think. And also, the person is a very close, like close proximity. If you're shooting somebody, you're quite a long way away. With something like this, this is a very personal, up-close attack. I mean, this is body to body. They are going to, surely there has got to be fiber transfer from the front of the killer to the back of him. If he has strangled somebody, surely there's got to be some rubbing of fibers between the chest and the back. Something. Mm -hmm. So I find it really strange that there's no evidence that we know of. There's no fibers that they found that we know of that they're talking about. Unless they were wearing exactly the same top. I mean, but were they even looking for that type of stuff? Because we know for a fact that... Yeah. We know that the police didn't even think it was a murder at first. And how long did it take again until they they decided it was a murder? But even if it was a suspicious death, surely the clothes would be bagged when they get to the mortuary. Would it? Oh, yeah. Sure, they'd be bagged up, wouldn't they? So surely they could then go and look at it after... The clothes should have been bagged up. Mm. There should have been clippings from the fingernails. Uh, yeah. Right? But do they do that there in a standard been... autopsy? Do they do, do they take that in a standard... If, it's, a, if well, it's just a suspicious it, death... But if it's... Is that but is that standard autopsy, though, if it's suspicious? Mm, I don't know. But the thing is, when the, when the pathologist then came back and said, no, this is a murder, surely then he would have mm-hmm. gone, right... Let's take fingernail clippings. Let's let's take let's test his fingers because this, he's thinking it's a murder. So he's gone back to the police and said, "I suspect this is a murder." So surely, if you're suspecting it's a murder, you then even if it's not standard procedure in an autopsy to take fingernail clippings from a normal standard death, if you're believing this is murder, surely you then take them. Yeah. Well, you'd think you would, but, but... you would think. Mm. Because then you'd think that there would be at least something to test for, yeah, for some sort of DNA. No, this is it's so strange. Okay, it's a really it's like it's a very strange case. Now the police wouldn't comment on whether they had a prime suspect for this, and they wouldn't comment on whether they had anything that was still going ahead now for the cases. So they did yeah. confirm that the case is under review constantly that it will be under review constantly and with no new leads, no new information. That's it. The case basically has gone cold and there's, there's nothing, but I have got so many questions, like so many questions. This is cold because of, because of bad policing from that, well, from the beginning. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I think. Okay. Yeah. So here, yeah. And I got questions too. So I'm trying to, okay. so I'm figuring this out. I want to go over the timeline real quick. Yeah, okay. So we know 725, he's seen yep. with the hold all bag. Yep, running across a road and then running across a field. Okay, so we know that. So And then we know definitely at 11 a.m. he is yep. seen on CCTV withdrawing his money. Yep, we can watch that. That's at 11 o'clock in the morning, yep. Okay. 
And um, where did he have to, do we know where he actually went to withdraw the money? It just says the building societies in town. So it's not a very big area. So I would think it's the closest, yeah. probably in Fife. It's probably not very far away. But I, I would guess maybe like St. So, Andrew's yeah. area. I would guess it's not far away. Okay. Because, yeah, because he lives in this. Tiny. I mean, it's tiny uh, on the map. If you look tiny. at it on the map, it's a very small place. Okay. So St. Andrew's is a significant. Yeah, I mean, it's a significant compar- like town, com- village. Yeah. Town, yeah, okay. Yeah, so he, so he was in there. So yeah. at eleven a.m. he's in St. Andrews. Then we have a possible sighting mm-hmm. at four p.m. Yes, correct. I think it was. Yeah, it was four p.m. It's a guy who fitted Sandy's description was seen jogging along the road from his house. Okay, and then a witness reported seeing him back in. Four hills around yep. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. And obviously we've got this car, this rusty orange car that was parked outside his cottage at around 5 p.m. that evening. So somebody sees him jogging along the road at 4 and then around 5 this car scene parked outside his cottage. And then somebody remembers seeing him at, at, at Sandy at Boar Hill around 7 p.m. And then his body was found at 8. So that's the only timeline we've got. Okay. And his money was found in his cottage. Yes, yeah, so the money was there. There's no, there's, there's no money missing. So all the money he he took out of the bank was all found in his house. So sometime between eleven a.m. and seven p.m., he returned home. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know if he was leaving his cottage at seven p.m. Or if or he going back. back to his cottage. Yeah. Because he was killed some, sometime between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Yeah. So I've got an hour and, window. And he did not have his body. There's no hold all bag no. with his body. No. Nope. bag apparently is not at home. The police said they've never found the blue holdall that he was seen running with across the field. So they've never found that again. So it's not in the house. So that's actually missing. Okay. Okay, So to me, I wonder if, hmm, if, if the hold all is not in the house, not with his body, I wonder if it was with him when he was attacked and it was taken, Mm. but whoever took it did not realize it didn't contain any money until after the fact maybe you are on the same track as my thinking i was thinking exactly the same thing there's two i think there's two possibilities with this hold all either in the morning when the woman saw him running across the field with it he was burying it or he was getting rid of it because it obviously didn't have the money in it then but maybe he had something in it that he didn't want somebody to get hold of or for it to become found and so he was getting rid of it or he had it on him and whoever killed him took it thinking that it had money in it when it actually didn't. Yeah. Okay. Because this does sound like someone who is spooked, either yeah. rightfully so or is having some sort of mental break, right? Yeah. But the fact that he's found dead and it found it, it appears as though he was 
attacked and strangled makes yeah. it seem to me that maybe it wasn't necessarily a mental break. That's right. Like there was actually something something going on. He's got no signs of any mental health issues with his family. There's no signs uh-huh. of that. There's no signs of him acting weird with his family. Only yeah. the month before he was found dead. So what would have, what would change? What would happen in a month where you would go from being normal to being well? He changed jobs, didn't he? He changed departments and moved to a different department. That's the only thing that they can link it to. So perhaps something's happened at work. Perhaps they are teasing him. I mean, obviously something's happened at work because he's written down the names of these men in his house yeah. the night before he was murdered. So 7.25 in the morning to be running across a field is a bit weird. Yeah. The banks don't open till like nine o'clock. So what was he doing running across the field in the morning with this hold all? Like, where was he going yeah. that early in the morning? So it's not like he was going to the bank and he was getting over there early because why would you do that? Unless this bank yeah, was like hours we, uh, away. <laughs> so what, what was he doing running across the field early in the morning? Why did he have this bag with him? Why was he running? Yeah, if he was, a, okay, if he quit his job because he was afraid, mm. he would have taken the money out, you know, right after he quit his job on the 20th. But he waited four days to mm. do this. Right? Yeah. So was he then running away? Was Did he have enough with work? He's quit work. Was he going to draw all that money out and then just leave? Was that the case? But he seems very close to his mum and his dad. And so I, yeah. just, I don't know whether that whether that's the case. But this car that's parked outside his house, it's never been, it's never been sort of found by anybody they've not found who the owner is they've not they've not put it uh-huh. against anybody that says oh no that was my car i was visiting my mum down the road you know the person's never been traced for that car and that's strange it's obviously never been seen since because otherwise people in the village would have contacted police and say that car's back or you know would they <laughs> and did i read it somewhere that it was like a uh, orange morris marina, morris marina. Is that what it yeah was? yeah it's rusty God, isn't that the that is such a stereotypical cold I know. creeper car, English car, or it creeper really car. Is. Such a cre- it is. And I would imagine. Okay, so this is this is okay. This is what I'm trying to figure out. Two things, right? Mm-hmm. First, going to back to bullying, right? Yeah. So there's a man that he wrote down. Wouldn't this someone, someone at this paper mill say, "Oh yeah, he's being bullied by these guys," right? Yeah. So. It, it, was there is there any proof of that did anyone from work say yeah he he was bullied okay the second thing is can you link anyone from the paper mill with a orange yeah morris marina yeah it, it, that's a very distinctive car it is a very distinctive car and the fact that it's really rusty but my thoughts on these these work people what are they bullying him about He's a rec- he's exactly. allegedly in a, recru- a recluse. Recluse. So allegedly, recluse, yeah. that's what he is. For, so what exactly? Him, him being different, right? So if he, yeah. if he, he's being, you know, targeted because he seems like he's an easy target. Maybe it's as simple as that. But how does tar- how does bullying go from bullying to murder, blackmail, extortion to murder? The, exactly. This is the thing. If these people are bullying him at work, then. Like you say, somebody at the work is going to know that something was going on. I mean, you know, if you work in like a factory or if you work in a workplace where there's a lot of people, you kind of work in like little departments. Somebody must know or have overheard or have seen something within that workplace to say 
that there was something going on. You, I mean, I've worked in factories yeah. before and you don't know everybody maybe by name, but you know them by sight and department. So you know that like the guy with the glasses works in, I don't know, the stamping department and the lady with the blonde hair works in this one. And the lady in the blonde hair seems to go over to the stamping department quite a lot. You kind of get this. It's within yeah. a workplace on shifts. You kind of get to know who does what, where and who's interacting with who a lot. So I find it really strange, like you said, that nobody else has come forward to say that there's something going on at work, you know? Yeah. So weird. Okay. But why did he write those names down? Why Why would he write them down the night before he's murdered? It's almost like he's preempting something. What would you write the names down for? Even if you were having a bit of a problem at work, what's that reason to, to write them down? That's I find that really strange. It is. June so June twentieth was a Thursday. So yeah, he could have went to the bank on Friday. Yeah. I could understand if it maybe it's closed Saturday, Sunday, so then the next day is open is Monday. One, if he was in a hurry if he was in a hurry to get out, get out of town, he's not. He would have really gone the very next day, wouldn't hurry. he? Yeah. Yeah. So this sounds to me like he was getting that money to pay somebody for something. You don't just go and empty all your yeah. bank accounts for nothing. So yeah. was he frightened? But then what? why would somebody, what would be the motive for them to, what would be the motive for them to strangle him on the track? What is so, uh, you know, what's so. Maybe it's just a, maybe as simple as being robbery. Mm. Maybe he, maybe he was going to buy something and the person he was going to, Buy it from. Buy it from. We're just gonna rob him and kill him and rob him. Yeah. And that's and so they've run he, off with the whole door. Yeah, and there's, there's no money in, in it. Mm. And he can't go back because now it's like, well, shit! I just killed a guy. I just killed him. Yeah. I like. I mean, this is just a comp- theory, completely out of the blue. But I, th- I like that theory better than the theory of he's being bullied and blackmailed. Right. I, I mean, the, the idea, because why else? I mean, the whole money thing doesn't make sense to me. Like, just withdrawing everything, especially no. after you just quit your job. Exactly. That doesn't make any sense to me either. I don't, I don't, I don't get mm. it. He's just, he's quit his job. Maybe he's had enough at work and he's just thought, like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to work there anymore. They're just being really mean to me. I've had enough. And he quits his job. Okay, I get that. But then why does he go and... Get, take all of his money out it doesn't make sense the, the the timeline doesn't really make sense and also it's so frustrating because the police obviously didn't see this as a murder scene to start with so they've not they've not secured evidence that possibly was there at the time mm-hmm. so what if there was stuff there that could have given you you know some idea was there yeah, a exactly. bag down the road full of newspaper or was there you know was there a f- footprint Anything. Exactly. Was there something there that they just didn't pick up because they didn't think it was relevant? Yeah, and here's the thing: because you don't think you you, you are going into this thinking, oh well, it's suicide, or you know, then became suspicious. So, are you checking to see what he was doing those four days before his death or whatever? Right? Do you see yeah. after he quit on on that Thursday? Well, what did he do through Friday? What did he do Saturday? Mm-hmm. What did he do Sunday? We have a uh, we have some sort of idea of what happened Monday, right? With yeah. some sightings of him, but we have uh, you know three other days where 
we don't know what occurred in those days. Those days could could be, you know, key to this whole thing, right? Yeah. And also, like, he didn't mention to his family that he quit his job. So he didn't tell his brother, who he lives with. He didn't mention to his brother that he quit his job. Oh, he didn't tell his mum. No? He didn't tell anybody. So he quit his job and didn't say a thing. So that's strange oh. to me. He didn't mention it to any of his family that he quit his job. That's strange. That is very strange. So he's walked out of the job and it's just, this is so frustrating, isn't it? Because I think that mm-hmm. this, there could be so much more to this. Yeah. There's not a lot really. There's not a lot that I could find online about the brother. There's not a lot I could find about, you know, what was he doing Friday through to Sunday? Where were they? Mm-hmm. What did he do? He was, he was due to go to his mum's. She saw him the night before he died. So that would have been Sunday. So she saw him Sunday night and he was due to come back Monday night for dinner. So she just said he seemed distracted on Sunday. So he's seen her Sunday uh-huh. night. That's the last sighting of him from his mum. Uh-huh. So but so yeah. something so it seems like something was going I mean according, yes, according to what something the mom was said, happening it seems like something Monday. was going on prior to prior to yeah. Monday, right? So yeah. what what was happening before then? Who was he talking to? Who did he call? Mm. Where did he go? Yeah. And I mean listen, I'm gonna be quite honest. Where was the the brother this whole time? What was he doing? Well, where yeah. was he? Yeah. What did he I notice, mean, you know? What was what was what was he like at home? you know leading up to this i i don't i don't know i don't th- i think that i think the paper mill is a is a red herring and do you thing, right really? i do I, I i do because i think if if there really was an an orange morris marina yeah parked at his cottage the day of his death if that really if that really occurred with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They should be able to link that car back to someone at the factory, either someone who owns it or someone who has a, you know, or you have a friend who has one or something, right? Mm. You would be able to link it back. If you can't link it back to the paper mill, then I don't see it a paper mill issue. I, it would be something else to me. And obviously the the brother doesn't know who it belongs to. No. I mean, if there's nothing not, to if say he's that not coming it, out. Yeah. There's nothing to say that it is from anyone from his work that it belongs to. But the thing I find really strange is that he didn't have any friends that anybody knew of. So whose car is this? Does, does, does the brother have friends? Is the what? brother yeah. a recluse? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you said they live together. Yeah. So are they both like it? Yeah. So, but also the other thing is just because that car's parked outside their house doesn't mean to say that they're visiting him. But why would uh, nobody come yeah. forward and say, ah, no, that's actually my car. You know, my dad lives around the yeah. corner. My mum lives there. You know, that's actually my car. I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just seems a bit weird to me that nobody's come forward to say that's my car or it, they've got no license it, plate for it. No one's, no one's said anything about the well, number plate. 
I can understand that. I mean, how many times are you looking at someone's license plate and you're taking it down, you know? Yeah, that's true. But how, God, oh, jeez, come on. How many Morris Marinas, orange ones, we orange. must, must there be? orange, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at, I'm playing map. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at, I'm looking at Boar Hills, right? Yeah. So it's, it's very, tiny, isn't very, it? very, very tiny. Yeah. Now, is he, is the cottage on this like one little road that goes through through it? Or is it like a, like a, almost like a, like a farm cottage? It's like a farm cottage and the little track goes up alongside the farm. It's like the farm cottage itself. So I couldn't see where they actually, where it, so it's just up, it's a tiny little track just up the, so it would lead up to like fields or something. So to enable like tractors to get up and down or farm okay. vehicles to get up and down. So if there is a car next to his place, then then more than likely, yeah. yes, it's visiting they're be his house. house. Yeah. Rather than if it's like on this little tiny strip, you know, this little mm. Boar's Hill Road or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Or, yeah, so, huh. So it looks oh, like that that's why it would be there. Yeah, because I could see if it was actually, it, this isn't even a town. I don't even know what you'd call this. Um, no. Yeah, because if, if there was a car outside of this little, it's not even a village. It's not. It's a, it's a hamlet. It's tiny. Ham, um, yeah, it's yeah. a little hamlet. Um, I think I did have the name of his, um, I did have the name of his house somewhere. Okay. Um, oh, he, his house had a name. But it yeah, is so very, I mean, at, you, if you go to map and look at Boar Hills, it, it's very, very yeah. remote, isn't it? There's not really a lot of stuff. You know, there's not really a lot of roads there mm-hmm. going in and, and if out. Someone in, if someone in Boar's Hill owned an orange car, an orange yeah. Morris Marina, they would be like, You would know. Car. Yeah. You would I mean, know. If you, you know who, if you look on like has. satellite, if you have a look on the satellite of this, um, uh-huh. can you see like, you'll see like the, where the trees are. You'll see like a little track that kind of goes up underneath. It's not actually, you can't actually see the track, but you can see it's it's marked there. There's like a little... Yeah. line that shows you so that would be like the farm track like that it'll be a little track that you would go up to, you would go up to kind of get to to get to a farm area or somebody's property or you know it just would be a tiny little dirt dirt road that goes up through I mean yeah. you can see literally if you go onto if you do go onto Google Map and you have a look for Boar Hills, you can see the whole of the village just on the screen. It's like it's not yeah. hard, is it? It's not like when we were looking up tiny. the um when yeah. we were looking up the cases in America where you're like, No, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is all on one screen. It's like it's tiny. It's a very small area. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, still unsolved, still there's still nothing. This the police have said that it's a ongoing case and that they are still mm-hmm. looking into it, um, and that you know it will it will never be forgotten completely. But I can't see that there's much yeah. to, other I, than a DNA, other than DNA or you know some sort of forensic. I really wish, I really wish it was more available on this case. Right? Yeah, I do. It, yeah, and there ha- the police have to have more information. They've they got have to have surely. And I I understand you don't want to you can't release everything you know, you know never say you know never say yeah yeah release whatever you have you, but there has to be some sort of information that you have that can help in this case, that can leads you know maybe lead to some sort of you know resolution, 
Yeah. And yeah, maybe the person, your suspect, is is passed away now. Mm. But, I mean, is there information that, pe- that, that someone has out there about this person that might be like yeah. the piece that says, okay, yeah, it, it was it him. It was him, right? yeah. Somebody's so got if, to know if, if more said, of what was going on. Yeah, if they said, okay, well, we were looking into John Smith yeah. from... St. or wherever yeah and then someone goes oh wait i know him and his brother owned a orange marina exactly so why don't they put out that they would i mean the person's dead anyway so why don't they put out that that's who they were looking Uh, into because they don't have to say that this person is a suspect in murder it could be as simple as hey we're looking for more information on this person yeah so why don't they do that if it Right now, it's a person of interest, not yeah. a suspect. Yeah, you can go and say, yeah, we have this person of interest. This is a name. This is, you know, what we know about him. If you have any more information about him, let it's us know. It's not like he's going to be hounded by the, you know, by the press or he's not going to be hounded by the public, is he? Mm. So, no. yeah, there's, yeah, there mean, just would, seems to be lots they, missing. Yeah, I, I think they would do that, do that here, right? <laughs> they would definitely do that, like... <laughs> How many you always hear this person person of interest and mm. and that's how they get information about them. But here maybe it's different. I mean, because you look at the Stuart Lubbock case, a fifty year old man's been arrested on suspicion of murder and the rape of Stuart Lubbock. However, yeah. the name hasn't been hasn't been um given to the public. I mean, obviously everybody's done the finger maths and gone, okay, he's fifty. So, you know, he would have been in his thirties at the time. So, so looking at that, be, it has to know. be this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's literally what I think everybody in England did. Everybody got the calculators out and went, right, hang on a minute. We know he's fifty. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what everyone's mm-hmm. done. And so but, but still, he wasn't named. But that's, but that's a still that's a different situation too because they were arrested and you're still not naming them. And I understand, yeah. okay, guilty until proven guilt or innocent until proven <laughs> guilty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, I understand that. But but if yeah. you've already arrested a person, mm. you know, and you're not releasing their name, okay, whatever. But then it's weird, isn't it? Know. Because over there. The Breckenridge case, the guy was arrested and we knew his name oh, yeah. straight away. As soon as he was mm-hmm. arrested, yep. I mean, I'm in England and I knew who he was. So, yeah, they arrested him, they named him. And you know what yeah. they still they did? They said, hey, if you have information. If you have any information, right exactly. So, totally different police styles. Yeah, so they, they have enough to at least arrest him, right? And they have yeah. enough for a search warrant, but they're still gathering information on this person. Mm. And how they how they get at, gather information? They're asking public for the help, and they say, "Hey, come if you forward. have any information, to come yeah. forward about, about, with it." So this case Could you is very strange. If they, if they just said, if if here, if they did that, and they said, "Okay, we arrested someone in this murder," and they don't say anything about it, the only thing you have to go on is the information you already have. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So this so case there, is a very frustrating could, one because of that. Yeah, yeah, and there's stuff. There could be something out there that. If you were just to go and say, hey, John Smith is a person of interest. If you have any information about about him, let us know. Someone could call and it could be as simple as, oh, yeah, I know this guy. And I remember this day and and I remember he came home with a hold all bag that didn't belong to him. Exactly. It could be simple. Something simple like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame. I don't know why really that's not 
being done. I understand that the police are very reluctant to talk to press about what's going on, probably because of the fact that they were, you know, slated in everything for their procedural conduct and stuff. So I can understand why they wouldn't want to talk to anyone. But so that's this week's case. Still unsolved. Still don't have an idea what's going on. And yeah, Yeah. a bit frustrating this week's one. Oh, well, they're all a little bit frustrate, frustrating in one way or the other. But yeah. Uh, yeah, this was this was a frustrating and a very confusing and very strange. It was. Very strange. And we've got some really good cases coming up in the next month or so. We've been working mm-hmm. really hard on the cases we've got coming up. And so we do have some really good cases for you. Um, some that are just as head scratching as this one. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess our next, our next to bring a little bit of fun into our episode, because after we do have quite serious episodes and the world is quite a serious pace at the moment, we do like to inject a little bit of fun at the end of the episodes. And um, this week, the dumb criminal belongs to you. Yes. So let's do our dumb criminal. Hey, criminal, use a dummy. I love those. Thank you. I love them. It's brilliant. I know. Absolutely so, brilliant. So, good. so what have we got this week? So this one is a little little bit different. So this this dumb criminal week isn't your typical um felon. Okay. This is actually our criminal this time is actually a a uh, a developer. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is this is in England. This uh, this is a relatively recent story, but there is a pub in London called the Carlton Tavern. Okay, it was a uh, it's in a it was in a building that was built in the 1920s. Right. So beautiful building. Yeah. And six years ago, there was a developer who owned the building who decided that they wanted to tear down the building into redevelop the area and turn it into like condos. Oh, no. So they went and they decided that they were going to bulldoze it and take it down, which they did. The only problem with this was that two days prior to the building being bulldozed, the. Hold on, what are they called again? English Heritage. Okay, hold on. Let me actually let me let me go back here. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so six years ago. So, what year is that? When was it? Two thousand fifteen. All right. See, I was doing good until I screwed up. <laughs> So this story comes to us from London, where there is a small tavern called the Carlton Tavern in West London, which is in a beautiful 1920s built building. Mm -hmm. Now, back in 2015, the building was owned by some developers who wished to tear it down and to um, to basically rebuild some. some apartments, some condominiums, some flats in the oh, area. Oh, no. But in, 2000, in April 2015, 
their the planning commission had denied their application to convert that that site into the apartments but the developers decided to go ahead and tear it down instead oh dear <laughs> they thought that they would go ahead, tear it down, and that they would just be face, facing like a $6,000 fine. Fine, yeah. Yeah, so for a developer like that, uh, okay, so they can pay. Six grand is nothing. Six grand is nothing. So yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah you go ahead and you deny our, our application. We're we just, just going to go ahead and it down tear anyway. it down. Yeah. Yeah, and rebuild, and you're just going to, you're going to fine us $6,000. Okay. Well, unfortunately for the developer, the community itself wasn't going to put up with that. So there was over 5,000 people and some local commissioners that got together and were determined to do something about it. And they were able to persuade the Westminster Council to actually order that developer, which was CTLX, to rebuild the Carlton Tavern brick by brick. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. So... So in their ruling, they decided that the pub should be rebuilt in facsimile from the red bricks to dis- to the distinctive tiled pub name. So that they had to amazing. completely rebuild it. Exactly it exactly. exactly. That is great. Now, now people in the area that were that led this charge, they were suspicious that this developer would actually go ahead and demolish. Mm despite being denied. So yeah. they did ask English Heritage to to look into it and to start recording everything. So English Heritage actually took a plaster cast of every tile in the building. <laughs> That's great. And they took they took pictures, complete pictures of everything and documented everything about the building. They knew, didn't they? They knew it was coming. They knew that they were up to something. They absolutely knew that something. That is absolutely was brilliant. Mhm. So, so the developers, they did, in fact, it took six years, but they oh. built the Carlton Tavern back up from the, from the ground up. It looks exactly the same. The, the, the facade is the same. The name on the building is the same. <laughs> and luckily, the developer will not be able to do this again because they ended up selling it to some local owners who are actually restoring the building back to the pub. And they are actually, so it's going to be, um, they don't want to use the word gastropub, but it's, they're only going to be using like local breweries. Oh, that's their, really for cool. Their, for their beer selection. So that's really good. Uh, so CTLX devo- developers. A lot of money. You that. are a bunch of dummies. <laughs> unbelievable right broke dummies now because they lost all the money from yeah. what they were going to be selling how still teach them i bet they never do that again i bet they never tear something down without the relevant paperwork well, ever again but it but it's but it goes beyond them now right so now yeah. you, other developers are going to be looking at this yeah. they're going to be thinking thinking Shit. like oh maybe we need to think about this yeah we might just we might not just get fined six thousand dollars, and so this yeah. is a huge deal too because we uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit. This this English heritage they yeah. were about to give it a uh, what's it like call listed, it grade two a grade listed. two listing yeah. Yeah. so historical status. So it was yeah. about to get historical status, and 
they thought they can tear it down before before it's given and nothing was going to happen. That is, I think that's brilliant because I think in, there are some buildings that you need to protect. We've got one in the town that I live in and it's, it is an eyesore, but they have said that, I mean, it's an old factory, but they have said like, it's got a grade two listing on it so that the outside must be kept as it is, but it could be, it could be made okay. into apartments you know, yeah. It could be made into apartments mm-hmm. inside. I think I don't know if they've been given the go ahead for that, but the outside of it has to stay the same. It has to look yeah, the they've same. They've done that. They've yeah. done that here. They, yeah. Um, there are so we have a part of town we actually here in Columbus called the Brewery District, hmm. and so we have a bunch of these old buildings that you know factory looking buildings that used to be breweries, and they all have these historical you know. Oh, I saw and, them. You showed me, didn't you, when we did the street? Yeah. When we were looking through, mm-hmm. and you showed me, yeah, the and street, I, man. I like, showed you I, King, yeah, I showed you King Cambrinus, who yeah. he used to be on the side of one of the breweries, yeah, but yeah, so they, um, so a lot of them now are being converted into like apartments and condominiums. Mm. So you look at it from the outside, and it looks exactly, exactly like the it. same, it's always yeah. the same, but inside you can do pretty much whatever, whatever you like, you yeah. yeah. I think that's cool. I think it's nice because there are there are certain buildings I think they need to stay the same. You yeah. know, they need to and be protected, you know don't they? I think having a place like Carlton Tavern is much more That's important cool. to a community than yeah. having a bunch of new flats, which yeah, knowing, I mean, you know, knowing this developer is shady already, they're probably not gonna <laughs> the nicest flats in the world, no. right? They're probably going to be trying to, they're trying to do it as cheap as possible. So. Yeah. Good for you, Carlton Tavern. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Congratulations. The community of Westminster. That's brilliant. That is really cool. So that's it. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, if you love our podcast, you can go on to whatever it, wherever it is and give us a nice five-star review. We would love that. It helps our podcast. And also, recommend us to your friends. Share our little podcast with all of your friends. We don't mind. We don't mind sharing. It's all good. That would be amazing. And we will be back next week with another case. It's going to be your case next week, isn't it? It will be my case, yes. be your case next week. And we will see you next week. So for now, be nice. And bye. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.